0: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today, with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, it's Lily Dramali. from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. The next big thing in gene editing lives inside us. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. The technology known as CRISPR is considered one of modern biology's biggest breakthroughs. It allows scientists to edit genes, similar to how you cut and paste text in a word processor. A decade after pioneering CRISPR, Nobel laureate Jennifer Doudna of UC Berkeley is applying it to big problems like chronic disease. We recently met up at Berkeley's Innovative Genomics Institute, a cluster of lab stations, researchers, and very loud refrigerators where CRISPRs being used to edit microbiomes. She explained how it's been working with these vast collections of bacteria and viruses that live on and in our bodies.
1: Well, it's not easy to manipulate microbiomes. Even though we know that CRISPR came from these organisms, it turns out that Introducing CRISPR back into those bugs is non trivial, especially because we want to manipulate all of those bugs at different times.
0: Non trivial meaning it's hard to do. Meaning it's
1: hard to do, and there's uh, both technology but also fundamental science to s- be done to understand which genes need manipulating and then how to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're working on applying this to, among other things, childhood asthma.
1: Is it to cure? or to alleviate the condition, would you say? I imagine a day when we can prevent asthma. Imagine that we could manipulate the microbiome to eliminate disease-causing molecules that the microbiome emits that give some people susceptibility to asthma. This would be an extraordinary advance. And you think, you know, what's the timeline for that kind of project? It's always hard to put a timeline on projects of that nature because by definition, they are high risk, but very high payoff. Our aim at the moment is to make real progress clinically within seven years. We have funding over that period of time.
0: One of the things I am very interested in with CRISPR is, and I mean, in science in general, when we think of biotech, is affordability and
1: accessibility. Is that something that's on your mind? I think that the question of affordability and accessibility is top of mind with genome editing because we can see that the technology is moving quickly. The opportunities are very exciting. We're on the verge of the first approval of a CRISPR therapy for sickle cell disease probably before the end of the year. And yet there's still a relatively small number of people that have been treated with CRISPR. And how do we expand those numbers? It's going to require making the technology much more affordable and accessible. So in tech speak, is this the moment that you scale? Is that what's happening right now? Definitely. We're absolutely interested in scaling up. We're expanding our efforts. We're hiring people, inviting students and everybody up to senior faculty and companies to partner with us and join the effort that we're in the vision that we have to expand the impact of CRISPR. Was this the
0: type of application that you had in mind when you first started working on CRISPR 12, 13 years ago, even 15 Certainly years not.
1: <laughs> no, this is this No, but this is what, what's happening with CRISPR, is that because it's a cross-cutting technology that allows manipulation of DNA in any type of organism, the more we think about it and advance the technology, the more we recognize opportunities that weren't obvious in the beginning.
0: You're listening to Marketplace Tech when we come back, a tour of Dr. Dowdna's labs and what she learned from the COVID pandemic. And we're back with Dr. Jennifer Dowdna, who showed us around UC Berkeley's Innovative Genomics Institute.
1: So the lab here is, this is actually two um, labs that are merged together, two different groups of people working on various projects. Some of them are directly CRISPR-related, some of them are not, but this is one of the things we love about the Institute is that we're bringing together people from different areas of expertise that are all doing science together. Mm -hmm. So um,
0: what are some of the things that they're working on in here?
1: In this lab, we're working on fundamental aspects of the CRISPR system that will ultimately let us target it to microbiomes and, of course, other systems as well. It's really exciting to put CRISPR, which is a wonderful technology, together with another exciting breakthrough called metagenomics, which, which means being able to analyze whole groups of organisms in one shot. This is what Jill Banfield's lab does, and they are some of the world's experts in this area, making it possible to identify organisms at the level of their DNA. So we don't even have to isolate those organisms, we can actually study them in their native populations. So the last time that we got to speak, uh,
0: it was three years ago at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we talked about this pretty extraordinary effort that you had decided to undertake in terms of developing a new COVID test that was saliva-based. Talk to me about three years later, you know, how did that go? And what are some of the things that you learned from that experience?
1: During the COVID pandemic, the Innovative Genomics Institute started a testing lab to provide clinical grade testing for people uh, across the whole campus of of UC Berkeley, but also around the Berkeley and Northern California community. And we decided to focus on a saliva-based test because it would be fast, inexpensive, and potentially very Quick to implement in communities that didn't have a lot of uh, structure, you know, re- resource and, and infrastructure. How did that work out? Really well. So we ended up providing over 600,000 tests around this area of Northern California, and um, we were also able to build teams of people who worked on innovating in real time. I think it taught us some important things about teamwork mm-hmm. that we're hoping to expand now into other areas where we're working.
0: Like what? How is that important to what you're doing now?
1: Well, I found that over the years, I think what academic organizations do well is they attract very smart people who want to work on big problems. but. Often what they don't do well is to build teams of people that are all rowing in the same direction. And that's really what the IGI does, is to create a vision and then invite people to come together, to work with us, to participate in a team effort. And it's been highly effective, not only during COVID, but also now in this era where we're expanding the opportunities with CRISPR.
0: I mean, it makes sense that it would need to be very collaborative, but it sounds like what you're saying is that sort of Against the culture um, of a lot of scientific institutions.
1: Well, I think a lot of academic groups, and I know this is true for me. You know, we we are trained to be individuals, to you know, and that's sort of prized in academics is that you're, uh, you know, kind of a, a a person who's innovating on your own. However, there are times when you really need to to build teams of experts who have complementary skill sets they can bring to the table. And that's really what we're doing at IGI, is building those kinds of teams. It's very exciting.
0: I I wonder, is AI a part of this at all, or is there a
1: tech piece to the work that's happening here? Absolutely. We're very excited about the opportunities to merge the advances happening so quickly right now in machine learning and, and artificial intelligence with things that we're doing in our experimental lab. And you might ask, how do you bring those things together? And one thing to appreciate is that CRISPR generates enormous amounts of genetic data mm. about the function of genes. And up until now, it's been hard to mine those data sets. Scientists have a difficulty just, you know, the, the amount of data is so momentous, that it's very difficult to you know, manually find signals in the data. We think that with machine learning and you know, artfully applied, of course, we have to think hard about how we're going to do it. We're going to be able to find a lot of insight into the function of genes in the human genome, but also, of course, in many other organisms, including microbes, that will impact the work that we're doing here. That
0: was Dr. Jennifer Doudna at UC Berkeley. In 2018, a Chinese scientist announced the first gene-edited babies, twins from embryos that had been modified using the technology. The ethical dilemmas posed by CRISPR continue to be widely debated five years later. We've posted a link to how that debate has evolved and what scientists are doing to ensure safer and more precise ways of using CRISPR. That's on our website, marketplacetech.org. We've also posted a link to Dr. Doudna's recent TED Talk. She lays out other applications she's got in mind for CRISPR, including targeting emissions of methane, a greenhouse gas. A chunk of those emissions come from a not-so-glamorous source, cow burps. The plan? To modify the microbiomes of cows when they're born so they burp out less methane over the course of their lives. In the meantime, the Food and Drug Administration is weighing a treatment for sickle cell disease based on CRISPR. That decision will be an early test case for how the FDA views applications of gene editing technology. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM.